Chapter Twenty of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An Indian Horse Fair, Love of the Indians for Horses, Scenes in the Arikara Village, Indian Hospitality, Duties of Indian Women, Game Habits of the Men, Their Indolence, Love of Gossiping, Rumors of Lurking Enemies, Scouts, An Alarm a sallying forth indian dogs return of a horse-stealing party an indian deputation fresh alarms return of a successful war party dress of the arikras indian toilet triumphal entry of the war party meetings of relations and friends indian sensibility meeting of a wounded warrior and his mother festivities and lamentations a trade now commenced with the arikras under the regulation and supervision of their two chieftains lisa sent a part of his goods to the lodge of the left-handed dignitary and mr hunt established his mart in the lodge of the big man the village soon presented the appearance of a busy fair and as horses were in demand the purlieus and the adjacent plain were like the vicinity of a tartar encampment horses were put through all their paces and horsemen were careering about with that dexterity and grace for which the arikras are noted as soon as a horse was purchased his tail was cropped a sure mode of distinguishing him from the horses of the tribe for the indians disdained to practise this absurd barbarous and indecent mutilation invented by some mean and vulgar mind insensible to the merit and perfections of the animal on the contrary the indian horses are suffered to remain in every respect the superb and beautiful animals which nature formed them the wealth of an indian of the far west consists principally in his horses of which each chief and warrior possesses a great number so that the plains about an indian village or encampment are covered with them these form objects of traffic or objects of depredation and in this way pass from tribe to tribe over great tracts of country the horses owned by the rikras are for the most part of the wild stock of the prairies some however had been obtained from the pancas pawnees and other tribes to the southwest who had stolen them from the spaniards in the course of horse-stealing expeditions into mexican territories these were to be known by being branded a spanish mode of marking horses not practised by the indians as the arikras were meditating another expedition against their enemies the sioux the articles of traffic most in demand were guns tomahawks scalping knives powder ball and other munitions of war the price of a horse as regulated by the chiefs was commonly ten dollars worth of goods at first cost to supply the demand thus suddenly created parties of young men and braves had sallied forth on expeditions to steal horses a species of service among the indians which takes precedence of hunting and is considered a department of honorable warfare while the leaders of the expedition were actively engaged in preparing for the approaching journey those who had accompanied it for curiosity or amusement found ample matter for observation in the village and its inhabitants wherever they went they were kindly entertained if they entered a lodge the buffalo robe was spread before the fire for them to sit down the pipe was brought and while the master of the lodge conversed with his guests the squaw put the earthen vessel over the fire well filled with dried buffalo meat and pounded corn for the indian in his native state 
before he has mingled much with white men and acquired their sordid habits has the hospitality of the arab never does a stranger enter his door without having food placed before him and never is the food thus furnished made a matter of traffic the life of an indian when at home in his village is a life of indolence and amusement to the woman is consigned the labors of the household and the field she arranges the lodge brings wood for the fire cooks jerks venison and buffalo meat dresses the skins of the animals killed in the chase cultivates the little patch of maize pumpkins and pulse which furnishes a great part of their provisions their time for repose and recreation is at sunset when the labors of the day being ended they gather together to amuse themselves with petty games or to hold gossiping convocations on the tops of their lodges as to the indian he is a game animal not to be degraded by useful or menial toil it is enough that he exposes himself to the hardships of the chase and the perils of war that he brings home food for his family and watches and fights for its protection everything else is beneath his attention when at home he attends only to his weapons and his horses preparing the means of future exploit or he engages with his comrades in games of dexterity agility and strength or in gambling games in which everything is put at hazard with a recklessness seldom witnessed in civilized life a great part of the idle leisure of the indians when at home is passed in groups squatted together on the bank of a river on the top of a mound on the prairie or on the roof of one of their earth-covered lodges talking over the news of the day the affairs of the tribe the events and exploits of their last hunting or fighting expedition or listening to the stories of old times told by some veteran chronicler resembling a group of our village quidnuncs and politicians listening to the prosings of some superannuated oracle or discussing the contents of an ancient newspaper as to the indian women they are far from complaining of their lot on the contrary they would despise their husbands could they stoop to any menial office and would think it conveyed an imputation upon their own conduct it is the worst insult one virago can cast upon another in a moment of altercation infamous woman will she cry i have seen your husband carrying wood into his lodge to make the fire where was his squaw that he should be obliged to make a woman of himself mr hunt and his fellow-travellers had not been many days at the arikra village when rumours began to circulate that the sioux had followed them up and that a war-party four or five hundred in number were lurking somewhere in the neighbourhood these rumours produced much embarrassment in the camp the white hunters were deterred from venturing forth in quest of game neither did the leaders think it proper to expose them to such a risk the arikras too who had suffered greatly in their wars with this cruel and ferocious tribe were roused to increased vigilance and stationed mounted scouts upon the neighbouring hills this however is a general precaution among the tribes of the prairies those immense plains present a horizon like the ocean so that any object of importance can be descried afar and information communicated to a great distance the scouts are stationed on the hills therefore to look out both for game and for enemies and are in a manner living telegraphs conveying their intelligence by concerted signs 
if they wish to give notice of a herd of buffalo in the plain beyond they gallop backward and forwards abreast on the summit of the hill if they perceive an enemy at hand they gallop to and fro crossing each other at sight of which the whole village flies to arms such an alarm was given on the afternoon of the fifteenth four scouts were seen crossing and recrossing each other at full gallop on the summit of a hill about two miles distant down the river the cry was up that the sioux were coming in an instant the village was in an uproar men women and children were all brawling and shouting dogs barking yelping and howling some of the warriors ran for the horses to gather and drive them in from the prairie some for their weapons as fast as they could arm and equip they sallied forth some on horseback some on foot some hastily arrayed in their war dress with coronets of fluttering feathers and their bodies smeared with paint others naked and only furnished with the weapons they had snatched up the women and children gathered on the tops of the lodges and heightened the confusion of the scene by their vociferation old men who could no longer bear arms took similar stations and harangued the warriors as they passed exhorting them to valorous deeds some of the veterans took arms themselves and sallied forth with tottering steps in this way the savage chivalry of the village to the number of five hundred poured forth helter-skelter riding and running with hideous yells and war-whoops like so many bedlamites or demoniacs let loose after a while the tide of war rolled back but with far less uproar either it had been a false alarm or the enemy had retreated on finding themselves discovered and quiet was restored to the village the white hunters continued to be fearful of ranging this dangerous neighborhood fresh provisions began to be scarce in the camp as a substitute therefore for venison and buffalo meat the travellers had to purchase a number of dogs to be shot and cooked for the supply of the camp fortunately however cherry the indians might be of their horses they were liberal of their dogs in fact these animals swarm about an indian village as they do about a turkish town not a family but has two or three dozen belonging to it of all sizes and colors some of a superior breed are used for hunting others to draw the sledge while others of a mongrel breed and idle vagabond nature are fattened for food they are supposed to be descended from the wolf and retain something of his savage and cowardly temper howling rather than barking showing their teeth and snarling on the slightest provocation but sneaking away on the least attack the excitement of the village continued from day to day on the day following the alarm just mentioned several parties arrived from different directions and were met and conducted by some of the braves to the council lodge where they reported the events and success of their expeditions whether of war or hunting which news was afterwards promulgated throughout the village by certain old men who acted as heralds or town criers among the parties which arrived was one that had been among the snake nation stealing horses and returned crowned with success as they passed in triumph through the village they were cheered by the men women and children collected as usual on the tops of the lodges and were exhorted by the nestors of the village to be generous in their dealings with the white men the evening was spent in feasting and rejoicing among the relations of the successful warriors 
but the sounds of grief and wailing were heard from the hills adjacent to the village the lamentations of women who had lost some relative in the foray an indian village is subject to continual agitations and excitements the next day arrived a deputation of braves from the cheyenne or cheyenne nation a broken tribe cut up like the Arikras, by wars with the sioux and driven to take refuge among the black hills near the sources of the cheyenne river from which they derived their name one of these deputies was magnificently arrayed in a buffalo robe on which various figures were fancifully embroidered with split quills dyed red and yellow and the whole was fringed with the slender hoofs of young fawns that rattled as he walked the arrival of this deputation was the signal for another of those ceremonials which occupy so much of indian life for no being is more courtly and punctilious and more observing of etiquette and formality than an american savage the object of the deputation was to give notice of an intended visit of the cheyenne or cheyenne tribe to the arikra village in the course of fifteen days to this visit mr hunt looked forward to procure additional horses for his journey all his bargaining being ineffectual in obtaining a sufficient supply from the arikras indeed nothing could prevail upon the latter to part with their prime horses which had been trained to buffalo hunting as mr hunt would have to abandon his boats at this place mr lisa now offered to purchase them and such of his merchandise as was superfluous and to pay him in horses to be obtained at a fort belonging to the missouri fur company situated at the mandan villages about a hundred and fifty miles further up the river a bargain was promptly made and mr lisa and mr crooks with several companions set out for the fort to procure the horses they returned after upwards of a fortnight's absence bringing with them the stipulated number of horses still the cavalry was not sufficiently numerous to convey the party and baggage and merchandise and a few days more were required to complete the arrangements for the journey on the ninth of july just before daybreak a great noise and vociferation was heard in the village this being the usual indian hour of attack and surprise and the sioux being known to be in the neighborhood the camp was instantly on the alert as the day broke indians were descried in considerable numbers on the bluffs three or four miles down the river the noise and agitation in the village continued the tops of the lodges were crowded with the inhabitants all earnestly looking towards the hills and keeping up a vehement chattering presently an indian warrior galloped past the camp toward the village and in a little while the legions began to pour forth the truth of the matter was now ascertained the indians upon the distant hills were three hundred arikra braves returning home from a foray they had met the war party of sioux who had been so long hovering about the neighborhood had fought them the day before killed several and defeated the rest with the loss of but two or three of their own men and about a dozen wounded and they were now halting at a distance until their comrades in the village should come forth to meet them and swell the parade of their triumphal entry the warrior who had galloped past the camp was the leader of the party hastening home to give tidings of his victory preparations were now made for this great martial ceremony all the finery and equipments of the warriors were sent forth to them that they might appear to the greatest advantage 
those two who had remained at home tasked their wardrobes and toilets to do honour to the procession the erichras generally go naked but like all savages they have their gala dress of which they are not a little vain this usually consists of a grey surcoat and leggings of the dressed skin of the antelope resembling chamois leather and embroidered with porcupine quills brilliantly dyed a buffalo robe is thrown over the right shoulder and across the left is slung a quiver of arrows they wear gay coronets of plumes particularly those of the swan but the feathers of the black eagle are considered the most worthy being a sacred bird among the indian warriors he who has killed an enemy in his own land is entitled to drag at his heels a fox skin attached to each moccasin and he who has slain a grizzly bear wears a necklace of his claws the most glorious trophy that a hunter can exhibit an indian toilet is an operation of some toil and trouble the warrior often has to paint himself from head to foot and is extremely capricious and difficult to please as to the hideous distribution of streaks and colours a great part of the morning therefore passed away before there were any signs of the distant pageant in the meantime a profound stillness reigned over the village most of the inhabitants had gone forth others remained in mute expectation all sports and occupations were suspended excepting that in the lodges the painstaking squaws were silently busied in preparing the repasts for the warriors it was near noon that a mingled sound of voices and rude music faintly heard from a distance gave notice that the procession was on the march the old men and such of the squaws as could leave their employments hastened forth to meet it in a little while it emerged from behind a hill and had a wild and picturesque appearance as it came moving over the summit in measured step and to the cadence of songs and savage instruments the warlike standards and trophies flaunting aloft and the feathers and paint and silver ornaments of the warriors glaring and glittering in the sunshine the pageant had really something chivalrous in its arrangement the erichras are divided into several bands each bearing the name of some animal or bird as the buffalo the bear the dog the pheasant the present party consisted of four of these bands one of which was the dog the most esteemed in war being composed of young men under thirty and noted for prowess it is engaged in the most desperate occasions the bands marched in separate bodies under the several leaders the warriors on foot came first in platoons of ten or twelve abreast then the horsemen each band bore as an ensign a spear or bow decorated with beads porcupine quills and painted feathers each bore its trophies of scalps elevated on poles their long black locks streaming in the wind each was accompanied by its rude music and minstrelsy in this way the procession extended nearly a quarter of a mile the warriors were variously armed some few with guns others with bows and arrows and war clubs all had shields of buffalo hide a kind of defence generally used by the indians of the open prairies who have not the covert of trees and forests to protect them they were painted in the most savage style some had the stamp of a red hand across their mouths a sign that they had drunk the life-blood of a foe 
as they drew near to the village the old men and women began to meet them and now a scene ensued that proved the fallacy of the old fable of indian apathy and stoicism parents and children husbands and wives brothers and sisters met with the most rapturous expressions of joy while wailings and lamentations were heard from the relatives of the killed and wounded the procession however continued on with slow and measured step in cadence to the solemn chant and the warriors maintained their fixed and stern demeanour between two of the principal chiefs rode a young warrior who had distinguished himself in the battle he was severely wounded so as with difficulty to keep on his horse but he preserved a serene and steadfast countenance as if perfectly unharmed his mother had heard of his condition she broke through the throng and rushing up threw her arms around him and wept aloud he kept up the spirit and demeanour of a warrior to the last but expired shortly after he had reached his home the village was now a scene of the utmost festivity and triumph the banners and trophies and scalps and painted shields were elevated on poles near the lodges there were war-feasts and scalp-dances with warlike songs and savage music all the inhabitants were arrayed in their festal dresses while the old heralds went round from lodge to lodge promulgating with loud voices the events of the battle and the exploits of the various warriors such was the boisterous revelry of the village but sounds of another kind were heard on the surrounding hills piteous wailings of the women who had retired thither to mourn in darkness and solitude for those who had fallen in battle there the poor mother of the youthful warrior who had returned home in triumph but to die gave full vent to the anguish of a mother's heart how much does this custom among the indian women of repairing to the hilltops in the night and pouring forth their wailings for the dead call to mind the beautiful and affecting passage of scripture in rama was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not End of chapter twenty one